Good afternoon. Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This afternoon's episode is titled, They have sown the wind and they shall reap the whirlwind. It shall be focused on the study of Hosea chapter 8. Before we go any further, we begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we know that your scriptures teach us, Lord, that whatsoever a man soweth, he shall reap, for God is not mocked. We pray, Father, help us to sow the seeds of righteousness. May you uproot the love of the world out of our souls. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Hosea chapter 8. Chapter 8. Set the trumpet to thy mouth. He shall come as an eagle against the house of the Lord, because they have transgressed my covenant and trespassed against my law. Israel shall cry unto me, My God, we know thee. Israel hath cast off the thing that is good. The enemy shall pursue him. They have set up kings, but not by me. They have made princes, and I knew it not. Of their silver and their gold have they made them idols, that they may be cut off. Thy calf, O Samaria, hath cast thee off. Mine anger is kindled against them. How long will it be ere they attain to innocency? For from Israel was it also. The workmen made it, therefore it is not God. But the calf of Samaria shall be broken in pieces. For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. It hath no stock, the bud shall yield no meal. If so be it yield, the strangers shall swallow it up. Israel is swallowed up. Now shall there be among the Gentiles as a vessel wherein is no pleasure. For they are gone up to Assyria, a wild ass alone by himself. Ephraim hath hired lovers. Yea, though they have hired among the nations, now will I gather them, and they shall sorrow a little for the burden of the king of princes, because Ephraim hath made many altars to sin. Altars shall be unto him to sin. I have written to him the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. They sacrifice flesh for the sacrifices of mine offerings, and eat it. But the Lord accepteth them not. Now will he remember their iniquity, and visit their sins. They shall return to Egypt. For Israel hath forgotten his Maker, and buildeth temples, and Judah hath multiplied fenced cities. But I will send fire upon his cities, and it shall devour the palaces thereof. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, Why? This was preached in 1962 on June the 22nd in the evening. We'll begin at paragraph 17 up to paragraph 41. I trust you find it to be a blessing. When God makes a way of escape for the people, and the people refuse that escape, then God asks the question, why? I think he has a right to. If God does all that he can for the people, and the people refuse to receive his help, then he has a right to ask why they didn't do it. I believe it will be that way at the judgment. When God has made every preparation that could be made, 
for the church and for the people, and then they refuse it, God's going to ask us why we didn't receive it. I believe that. Now, we find out that this Ahazah was the son of Ahab and Jezebel. They had uh, come out of a cursed family. And when you take a family that's raising their children in the wrong atmosphere, you can't hardly expect anything else. Now, Israel was a nation something like this nation. It made its same mistakes that this nation's made. And we find out that Israel come up out of Egypt and drove the occupants out of the land and possessed the land. The same that we come seeking an oasis and drove the natives here back and possessed the land. Israel had favor before God. We believe that our pilgrim fathers did also. Israel, in its early stages, produced some great men. Uh, well, they had, for instance, David, Solomon, Joshua, great men. And we had a Washington, Lincoln, and a great man. But finally, Israel, in its politics, formed around and got a renegade on the throne. Ahab, a halfway believer, lukewarm church member. And Ahab wasn't such a, a rascal as it was... His wife, she was the one that could just handle Ahab any way she wanted to make him go. She did it. And you don't have to be too spiritual to understand what I'm talking about. (laughs) It's the system behind it. But in that day, they had a prophet. And his name was Elijah. And he was a fearless, godly man. And I think a lot of you do good Democrats that sold your birthrights of politics to do such an evil thing as you've done. God be merciful. Amen. Yes, sir. One day this nation knew that old thing, but she's forgot it. She sold out because the church got lukewarm and got away from God. That's exactly. I better leave off of that because I said I wasn't going to preach on this. Now... As we go on, but you know what I'm thinking. <clears throat> Notice, but in that same day, God sent a mighty one in the land. Just before that, there come a plague that swept the land out. And God was proven. Now, doing this after Ahab's death, his son took his place. And um, Ezekiah. And he reigned in Samaria, and one day, walking out in the lattices, he fell through, and some disease set into the place where he got hurt. And now, instead of following, like the forefathers did, to consult God about it, he sent to the idol, Beelzebub. It's a strange thing that a man that's supposed to be an Israelite would consult such as that instead of going back to the very God that brought him over into that land and give it to them. 
because he was trying to follow the trend of the day and after his father and mother. That's what's happened in the churches today too much. We have got away from the spiritual application of the principles that this nation stands for and has got up on politics and union and big time and belly full and a new car and new homes and, and got away from the real principles of things. Yes. The real principles of Christianity. It's too bad we have to say these things, but somebody's got to say it, and it's got to come to pass. We must be frank and honest and sincere, and you do not need spiritual interpretation because it's before your eyes. You can see it. But we have, as they did in those days, sold our birthrights for a mess of pottage. And we are going to reap just what we sowed. And it's done past now. And the revival that we had sweeping across the country, it's died down to a little smoldering uh, flame here and there or something. We don't want to believe it, but it's the truth. It's right. And uh, we went out and sowed a bunch of great denominational seeds. And when the Spirit fell, what did we reap? A denominational crop. If we'd sowed the Word of God, we'd have reaped the church of God if we would have done it. But we got off on the wrong side. The rain comes up on the earth to water it. And if whatever what kind of seed is in the field, that's what it brings forth. That's right. And so the same Holy Spirit that brings forth uh, the church of the living God brings forth the weeds also, the denominational. But you see what we've agreed million more and 44 for Baptists and so forth and on down. And that's what we've reaped, just exactly as we sowed. And it's always going to be that way. And Israel was just reap what she had sowed. And this a young fellow had come in now to take over. And instead of sending down and seeking God to the people that had come there to this great uh, economy that God had given them, he sent over to uh, the popular idol of the day, the Beelzebub, the popular religion among the people. Just a few were holding a torchlight. And Elijah was the great prophet of that day. And he had forgot about Elijah. He didn't care about Elijah because Elijah would have told him where he was standing. Therefore, they don't want to know what's the truth. They'd rather take this other way, yeah. not realizing that you're going to reap what you sow. Amen. Exactly. That's the law of nature. You do it. It's the law of the Spirit. You certainly have to do it. Now, but you know, God reveals His secrets to His prophets. The Bible said over in Amos, surely God will do nothing except He reveals to His prophets. And then when this messengers on the road over to meet the priest and to find out from Beelzebub the condition of their king and what would be the outcome. They didn't want to take God's way, to line up with God's word, to line up with God's way of doing things. They wanted to live any way they wanted to and still be religious. And that's what the, this nation has come to today. It just don't want to line up with God. It wants to live any way it wants to, but it wants to be religious. So it'll take the easiest way out. It always finds that water seeps its level. Always. 
Now, they had another arm to lean on. They didn't need Jehovah anymore. They didn't want that strict way. They wanted to live after their own lust and their own fashions, and yet they could be religious. But remember, way down there in that cave, pulled back an old hairy-looking man with looked like a fuzzy worm back in there, but under that little brown skin and skinny arms beat the heart that God lived in. He said, Elijah, arise and go up there and meet him. Oh, my, what we need today is another Elijah. Not afraid to tell the truth. Went up there and stood in the way. Piece of sheepskin or leather around his loins here to gird him up. And there he stood the fuzz all over his face. And, and I suppose he didn't take a bath every night and use his forks and knives the way we do here in Hollywood and shine up the way we do. But yet God was with him. Amen. God was in him. Amen. We put so much stress on the traditions of the day. Now we notice. Now he stood in the way when these messengers come up. And he said, is it because go tell him? Is it because there is not a God in Israel? Is there no prophet here? Is that the reason? Oh, there was a God and there was a prophet. But it was a king's own stubbornness. He didn't want to line up with God and his prophet. And that was the reason that the king was seeking the easiest way out of these things. He said, is it because there is no prophet, there is no God in Israel, there's no, there's no way of finding it? I wonder today if it is today that we seek comfort. We've just lost, left some holidays. People go out and get drunk on those holidays. Their Sunday school teachers, church members, choir members go out and drink and crowds, they gamble and, and the people live just the way they want to and yet they belong to the highest churches there is in the city. Some of the highest order of this intellectual ecclesiastical system that's dominating this country that there is. And wonder why. Why don't they come? They're looking for pleasure. They're looking for peace. They're substituting. The devil is substituting such rowdiest things as that to take the place of a real good spirit-filled experience where the joy of the Lord can come upon them and give them peace and rest. They love the pleasures of the world more than they love the kingdom of God. Their life proves it. It's exactly what they live shows it. There's no difference in them, seems to be. Who is a believer and who's not? Talk to them. They tell just as dirty of jokes and they have their societies and so forth and carry on just like the rest of the world. I lived across the street from a, a great parish of a great order of Christian people, as they call themselves. And every Saturday night in the floor of the mints, why, you never heard such carrying on and twists and rock and rolls and bloogly-woogly and all that ungodly stuff and carry on and then on Sunday morning go to the church with a pious look on their face. Brother, when the Holy Spirit comes into a life, it changes that life from the And the 
the sad part is creeping into our Pentecostal organizations. It's getting into there because just as it's always been when Israel saw the other nations had a king and they wanted to act like the other nations. The old prophet came to him, Samuel, and he said, you must, you're a different people. You mustn't be like them. God is your king. He said, have I ever told you anything in the name of the Lord but what come to pass? Have I ever begged you for your money or taken your finances and so forth to build great honorable monuments and everything else? They had to say that he didn't. He said, then listen to me. And he had the word of the Lord, but the people had to admit that everything that he had said had been the word of the Lord. And it had come to pass just as he said it would come to pass. But yet the people wanted to look like the rest of the people. That's the way it is today that the churches are trying to pattern after the other churches. Christ is our pattern. So exactly that. Now, they didn't want it. They didn't want the message. What if that king would have humbled himself? What if he'd have come down to the, he'd been humiliated and it went back to God and repented? I believe the man would have lived. I believe Elijah would have come to him with the word of the Lord and the man would have lived. But he hardened his heart and would not listen to the Lord. And Elijah said, go ask him, is it because there's no, no God in Israel? He has no prophet. No, he had a prophet. He had, there was a God, but the king didn't want it. That's what it is today. It's just like a, a patient sitting on a doctor's doorstep and die sitting on the doorstep because he's too stubborn to go in to take the medicine the doctor's got for him. Oh, exactly. Die on the step of the doctor sitting out there and the doctor says, I've got the remedy for your ailment. But he's just too stubborn to go in and take it. That's a dangerous thing. A fellow could die. And he would die sitting there. When there's plenty of medicine, they got a toxin for it. But they, he won't take it. He's just too stubborn. Well, then you can't lay it on to the doctor. You can't lay it on to the medicine. It's the man. He's the one. So is it today. Men and women will sit in the church. In the church pew. And hear the unadulterated gospel and the power of the Holy Ghost. And see the manifestations and the demonstrations of the spirit of a living, resurrected Christ and dying sin sitting in the church pew. Not because there's no bomb. Not because there's no physician. But it's because the people are too stubborn to take the medicine. Trying to find the least way of resistance. Going the way of the world. Perishing in the gainsaying of Korah. You know what Korah done? It's always the leaders that gets the people mixed up. And that they perish in the gainsaying of Korah. Sure. Don't blame the doctor. Don't blame the medicine. It's you to blame if the doctor's got the remedy and he's got plenty of it. He invites you to come and you won't come. 
then it's not the doctor's fault, neither is it the medicine's fault. It's your fault because you won't take the medicine. That's right. And people sit in the churches, die in the pew without knowing God, without receiving the Holy Ghost, because they think they'll have to give up some of the things of the world. They'd rather belong to a church that's got a higher name, or what they think a little more prestige. Do you ever realize that God's way is a few goes that way, and they're despised and rejected because they're not of the world? They are of God, a peculiar people, a royal priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices, that is, the fruits of the lips giving praise unto God. Amen. Doctors' medicines. You know, they used to have a time they didn't have any toxin for such as smallpox. Thousands died yearly with smallpox. They didn't have a diphtheria toxin. And thousands died every year with toxin or without uh, uh, having any toxin. They died with diphtheria. But now they got toxin. They got inoculation for those things. And how does a doctor ever get a hold of these medicines anyhow. Why, how, do they, how do they ever do it? You know what they do? They put a lot of stuff together, some poison and then some antidote, mix it together till they mix up a formula. And then they get a, get a guinea pig and they inject this medicine into the guinea pig. If he survives it, then they give it to you. And, then, and if it uh, says to kill the disease that's in your body, so much of poison... So much to upset that poison. Too much poison would kill you. Too much antidote wouldn't do you any good, the medicine wouldn't. It's got to be a balanced formula. And some medicines from the doctor, he can give it, for instance, like penicillin, one of the great discoveries. If they think it's a discovery, well, when I was in South Africa, I seen a native there, and when he would, they get a sore on their leg or something other, the sore gets old, they find an old orange laying under a tree somewhere that's molded, and they rub that orange in there. Been doing it for hundreds and hundreds of years, and they get well. What is it? Penicillin. Sure. So they think they're smart. The hot and tot in Africa know that thousand years ago. <laughs> God done told him I'll take care of himself. Then we think that it's something smart that we got. Now, penicillin sometimes an overshot will kill a patient. And some of them, it helps it. There's a question there. They claim that nowadays, of course, number one killer, they say, is heart trouble. No, I'm different from that. Number one killer isn't heart trouble. Number one killer is sin trouble. That's the killer. That's the thing. It's sin. That's the killer. Not heart trouble. So many people say, I just got to sin. I just have to smoke. Women say, I just got to cut my hair. I, I, I can't get any other clothes. I just have to wear what they got. You know what's the matter? They're making excuses. They haven't tried God's toxin yet. They've been inoculated from such stuff. Yes, it's because that they haven't tried God's toxin. They refuse to take it. For when the Spirit of God is in you, it lines up with the Word of God. Yeah. And if it denies the Word of God, then it isn't. You haven't got the right shot yet. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. That's You're not inoculated. Yeah. 
sin still lays at the door, unbelief in the Word. So it takes the toxin of God to kill sin, and sin is number one killer. Yes, it is. It kills, and it kills to the uttermost. So we know that it's a, that it's a, a sin that does the killing. So it's a toxin. The people just refuse to take it. They don't like it. They don't like the thought of new birth. Now, we know that any birth is a mess. I don't care if it's in a pig pen or if it's in a pink decorated hospital room. Any birth is a mess. And the new birth is nothing less. It's a mess. It's right. It'll make you boo-hoo and cry and carry on like you in an office mess you's ever in. But it'll do you good. Jesus said, except the corn of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it abides alone. And the people don't want to die. You want to be alive in the Word. And still you want to be religious. So you accept an intellectual conception of it. And then when you do that, you're still dead in sin and trespasses. And that's what makes people act and do the way they do because the spirit that's in them dominates your life. Say, well, uh, other people do this. Well, you're not like the other people. You are dead and your life is hid in God through Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. See, you didn't try the toxin. It's just because the people don't want to try it. Now you've got to die. You've got to rot. That's the trouble of people stay running out the altar and get some kind of sensation, jump up and shake hands with the preacher, go out and get some kind of a dogma or creed and recite it and say, I belong to so-and-so. I belong to so-and-so. Are you a Christian? I'm so-and-so. A Christian is to be Christ-like. Christ-like is to believe the Word. If you don't believe the Word, then he can't be Christ-like. How can you say you're a Christian and deny half of the Word? If the Holy Spirit wrote the Word, the Holy Spirit confirms the Word, and the Holy Spirit is the Word. The Word abiding in you brings God's promises to every believer. Amen. The Word means so be it. I believe it with all my heart. It's the Word of the living God. Amen. As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy love and Thy kindness. We know, Lord, that heavens and earth will pass away, but Your Word will never pass away. Help us, Father, that we might have the light of Your Word shining in our souls, and that when others look at us, may they see Christ in us. Help us to not be ashamed of the gospel and of the testimony of Jesus Christ, but to take a stand for Your Word that others might know. Lord, that you live and reign in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.
Oh, oh, oh. 